0: Listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. We're going to talk about a little gamesmanship going on that happened this past Sunday in the Chiefs Ravens game. I've also got a Taylor Swift effect that doesn't have anything to do with the Kelsey, T. Swift, and on the field and showing her during the game, although I will repeat something I said earlier today in the Daily Roundup for you listeners as well. Um Maybe a little Dan Campbell talk, but I'm going to actually talk some NBA today. I want to talk Dallas Mavericks basketball, in particular Luka Doncic, who scored 73 points on Friday night, in case you missed it. I've got some thoughts on him and the team, the whole shebang. We'll get to that momentarily. So on Sunday, did you see this during the pregame warmups? Justin Tucker, arguably the greatest field goal kicker this league has ever seen, kicks for the Ravens was warming up, and he was warming up in the space where the Chiefs are warming up. In particular, Patrick Mahomes and Jason Kelsey, where they warm up. And he had his, you know, the tee that holds the ball down. He was stretching there and had his helmet off. And, you know, he basically said it was a little gamesmanship, but apparently they took it a little more seriously. And Mahomes came out yesterday and just said, I have the same pregame routine for all six years I've been in this league. In the same area and the same routine I do before every game, and only three times I've had an issue where somebody was in my space, and all three times it was the Ravens. So it was clearly Justin Tucker trying to play head games or whatever. It clearly didn't work. It backfired. Mahomes has still not lost uh, to the Ravens. I don't believe in his career. But the thing was, and here's what I don't get: and and Justin Tucker, you can say you were playing games and and whatever. The bottom line was the Chiefs were in their area, and their area was in the on the goal line. Like, they were doing whatever they were doing based out of the end zone. Justin Tucker, you know, they have those little markers that um, for a, a kicker so he doesn't have to bring his holder out to hold the ball for them. There's like that little contraption that's just like wires that you lay on the ground, and it, you put a ball underneath it, and it holds the ball. So you can kick without having a holder every single time. Well, Justin Tucker had that set up on the goal line. It's like, wait a second, Justin. You're clearly not using that to kick the ball because why would you be practicing a 10 yard field goal? There's not even such thing. As a 10 yard field goal. The, the shortest field goal in the history of the NFL would be an 18-yarder if the ball was on the one-yard line and the team decided to kick a field goal. Because you would go back, it would be snapped to the eight-yard line, and then the end zone is 10 yards deep because the goal posts are at the back of the end zone. An 18-yarder is the shortest field goal you can kick. Why would you be having your little T contraption on the goal line? You're clearly not kicking a ball from there. So that's what I'm saying. Like, Travis Kelsey and... Patrick Mahomes, was just like, dude, get out of here. You're clearly trying to annoy us, and you're just annoying. <laughs> like, like, I'm I'm all for Mahomes and Kelsey here. And look, I understand that Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker in the NFL statistically every year. And in his career, I believe has the highest field goal percentage. But man, you're still a kicker. You really think you're, like, bowing up to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? Come on now, man. Just just go kick in the other end of the field. Like, honestly, it's just so dumb. And it's just, I understand he was probably trying to talk some trash or whatever, and it's just so silly because it it didn't even make sense to have his contraption on the goal line because you can't <laughs> kick a 10-yarder. Please. Now, the other story involving Patrick Mahomes I thought was really, really interesting. And it kind of relates to me, sort of. (laughs) I'm really going for a reach here, but bear with me. So did you see this story a couple weeks ago? I think it was the home game against Miami when Taylor Swift showed up in the 87 jacket and it was established during that game that the wife of... San Francisco 49er fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. Her name is Kristen Juszczyk. She's the one that designed the jacket for Taylor because everybody was going crazy. Well, once that story broke, Kristen Juszczyk gained more than 400,000 followers after it was revealed that the jacket that T. Swift wore was created by this woman who's got a website called Designs by Kristen. Seems simple. And you're just like, oh, wow. I mean, this is this is how stuff goes viral. You get a celebrity to wear your stuff, you get a celebrity to hawk your product, you get a celebrity to wear a hat, you get them to wear a you know drink a drink that's you know your tequila or your sport drink, whatever. That's how stuff gets big, and boy has Kristen Youstek's life changed since Taylor wore that jacket. Immediately got more than four hundred thousand followers, and then people obviously started ordering stuff off of her website. And then, just this week, the NFL agreed to a licensing deal with her that's going to grant her the ability to use NFL marks in men's and women's apparel designs. Do you know how how big that is for somebody who was designing stuff on the side? I don't know how big her site was before this. Clearly, there were probably some NFL wives and girlfriends that wore her stuff. I get it. You know, word of mouth in that circle. It got out, hey, she does some great stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it was big. Now she got an NFL licensing deal? You ever watch Shark Tank? <laughs> what do most of the people on Shark Tank go in there for? They want to get a licensing deal from one of these guys, and they don't have the connections to do it. Kristen Yusek sends a jacket to Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift wears it on the air. The announcers mention it, and now Kristen Yusek has an NFL licensing deal. I've got a request. I just started my merch line <laughs> two weeks ago um Taylor if I sent you a spoiled by reality Steve sweatshirt or a spoiled by reality Steve hoodie um would you wear it for me (laughs) I might I I think my sales might go up if Taylor Swift is seen wearing a I love being spoiled hoodie (laughs) oh man talk about hitting the jackpot uh that would be a big one for me. I would definitely take that. Please, Taylor, please. Sales are good. I appreciate the sales, everybody who's purchased up to this point, but I'm guessing if Taylor Swift wore a t-shirt and or wore a v-neck or a hoodie or a sweatshirt with one of my logos on it, I'd probably be swimming in money. Oh, well, a man can dream, can he? The other thing I want to talk about is I brought up this an hour ago on the Daily Roundup, but I wanted to bring it to here for you guys as well because I don't remember if I said it on this podcast or the other one, but remember when Kansas City clinched their slot in the Super Bowl by beating the Ravens this past Sunday, immediately so many media stories were running to, well, is Taylor going to be at the game? She's performing in Japan. Is she going to make it back in time? Was it this podcast or was it my Daily Roundup podcast where I absolutely went over this two months ago? And I said, she's absolutely going to be there. At the, but at the time that I was talking about it, I was like, I mean, we're probably not going to have to worry about this because the Chiefs are playing so bad offensively. They're not even going to get there in the first place. But if, she, if they happen to, of course she's going to be there. She's the talk of the NFL this season, and she's dating arguably the best tight end in the history of pro football. Statistically, he's going to be by the end of his career. They're just the NFL power couple right now. So, of course, she's going to be there. Remember, we even talked about it. Her last show is on Saturday, February 10th in Japan. Japan is 16 or 15 hours away from Las Vegas. The flight is only 12 hours. She's literally time jumping to go back in time and relive four hours. Once she lands in Vegas, she's going to have to have an extra four hours of her life. That's going to be a 28-hour day for her. We already went all over this, yet all the media was literally falling all over themselves right when Kansas City clinched on Sunday. I'm like, why are, Why isn't my podcast from a couple of months ago getting more attention when I told you guys about this? I told you this was going to happen, and I already explained it to you how she was going to be there. But yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention in regards to Taylor is this. There is a perception versus reality going on right now. The perception is that Taylor Swift and all the attention she's getting is ruining the NFL viewers experience and it's ruining people watching the NFL and she's bad for the NFL and I don't know, the latest is somehow she's going to elect, she's going to get Biden elected. I don't, (laughs) literally these people are insane, but I just want to point this out. So that's the perception out there. You've heard it going around. I'm not making stuff up. The perception is that, oh, we're so sick of this. And she, Why do they have to keep showing Taylor? Sunday, Ravens Chiefs was a three-hour and nine-minute NFL game. They showed Taylor Swift seven times on screen for a total of 44 seconds. So out of a three-hour and nine-minute game, 0.39% of the game was spent showing Taylor Swift in the suite. In other news, that the... People who are reporting nobody's watching the NFL anymore are saying because of Taylor Swift and all the attention she's getting. In other news, the AFC championship game between the Chiefs and Ravens drew 55 million viewers for CBS, the largest AFC championship viewership in the history of the NFL. So isn't it convenient how the people who are saying Taylor Swift is bad for the NFL are not following it up with, oh, by the way, it had the highest rated game in the history of all AFC championships. That's what I mean. I just, the media drives me absolutely nuts sometimes. You know, I'm not going to play biases. I'm going to lay out facts. I'm going to lay out statistics for you. And that's just a fact. They showed her 77 t- seven times for 44 seconds in a three-hour, nine-minute game. And talking heads on TV will have you believe that nobody watches the NFL anymore and everybody's sick of it. <laughs> yeah, right. And just wait until two weeks from now. When the Super Bowl draws the highest number in the history of the NFL, because it seems to break numbers every single year. We've got Patrick Mahomes and we've got a storied franchise in the San Francisco 49ers. It's already going to draw a giant number. And now you can add on probably five to 10 million people who would have had no interest whatsoever in watching that game are going to watch it extra in addition to because Taylor Swift is dating the Chiefs tight end. It's fact. All right, I have not talked a lot of NBA this season, and rightfully so. We're in football mode, but in about two weeks after probably the Monday and Tuesday podcast after the Super Bowl, it is basically college basketball and NBA and any other major sports stories through, you know, the finals for NBA finals and March Madness. I mean, that's, I I can't imagine anything else, you know, baseball season, I, we'll talk things here and there, storylines, maybe some signings, you know, Otani playing for the Dodgers, that stuff, but it's going to be pretty heavy on the basketball content. I mean, all you got to do is go back to all my podcasts last February through June and listen to those and be like, yeah, it was pretty much mostly basketball talk, college and pro. But I do want to talk about what Luka did on Friday night where he scored 73 points against the Hawks. And look, it's, 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 It's damn impressive to score 70 points in a game. And I don't want to take that away from him. But times have changed. In the first 75 years of the NBA, six times in 75 years had someone in the league scored more than 70 points in a game. It had happened six times. It's happened four times in the last 13 months. So yes, very, very impressive but it's not what it used to be. Just like when Magic Johnson used to rack up triple doubles in the 80s and kind of in the 90s with the Lakers, it was just like, oh my God, this, is, this guy's unbelievable. He can score, he can rebound, he can assist. Now people get triple doubles in their sleep. It's just a different time. The game is played completely differently. And the reason Lucas scored as many as he did was because of that game and the flow of the game. Did you watch it I watched all 48 minutes. Atlanta's a joke defensively. Like they didn't even try <laughs> try and get the ball out of his hands. Not until well, I wouldn't say that. Not until he was in his 60s. I was like, oh great. Now you're gonna now are you gonna start double teaming him when he comes across half court. It's like, what are you doing? Are you even trying to win games with with the Hawks? I, I don't know if they are. The point being, the impressive thing about it, obviously, 73 points, but he did it on 33 shots. That is impressive because it's not like he was firing up 45, 50 shots and ball hogging because he still had double digit assists that game as well. Or seven assists, I think, seven assists that game, but he had, you know, over 10 rebounds as well. He almost had a 70 point triple double and he made basically all his free throws. I think he was 15 of 16 from the line. So the fact that he did it in such low volume of shots is what I'm more impressed with because usually with Luca. When he does get to 40 or 50, it's because he's taking 25 to 30 shots and he gets 40 or 50. This time he took 33, but he got 73 points out of 33 shots. He was on fire from three and he made all his free throws except for one. But here's the problem. And this is a problem you could ask anybody that lives in the Dallas, Fort Worth area, anybody that watches this team, number one, they're kind of this season's, they're kind of the NBA version of the Cowboys. They haven't beaten anybody good. Right now, the Mavericks, as we head into tonight's game against Minnesota, who, by the way, they're sitting Luka, Kyrie, and Derek Lively. Three starters are sitting out. So you can pretty much say they're going to lose tonight to the top two team in the West right now, record-wise, Minnesota. So after tonight, they're going to be 26-22. and 22. Do you know what their record is against? And then right now, and after they lose, they'll be the eighth seed. So there are seven teams ahead of them in the West. Do you know what the Mavericks' record is against the seven teams ahead of them in the West after they lose tonight to Minnesota? Five and 13, which means they are 21 and 8 against. Well, I can tell you this. They're five and 13 after they lose tonight to teams that are the seven teams ahead of them in the West. And in addition to that, all five that they have beaten that are ahead of them in the West, the Clippers, New Orleans twice, Phoenix, and they have beaten Minnesota once, all five of those have also beaten the Mavericks at least once. 18, excuse me, 19 of their 26 wins are versus teams that were 500 or worse at tip-off. They have six wins over teams that had a winning record at tip-off. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm almost like throwing my hands up like I do during the Cowboys regular season. It's like, great. You're beating up on bad teams, and when you go up against teams that you're going to need to beat in the playoffs, they're currently going after tonight, because I'm guessing they're not going to beat the Timberwolves without Luka Kyrie and Derek Lively. 5-13? 5-13? and 13? And the five wins you do have, those teams have beaten you at least once too, so it's not like you have any sort of leg up on them. Right now they're going to be, after tonight, they're going to be an eighth seed. There is a good chance the Dallas Mavericks don't make the playoffs this year. They'll get in the play-in tourney, and if they stay at the eighth seed, they'll play the seventh seed. They'll have to go on the road, and if they lose that, then they get a home game against the winner of the 8-9 game which right now would be Utah or the Lakers, two teams that could absolutely beat them in Dallas. You know why? Because as of right now, the Dallas Mavericks have, of all the top 10 teams in the West, they have the most home losses. Them and Phoenix both have 11 home losses. Excuse me, 12 home losses. And Actually, the Mavericks now are in sole possession of the most home losses of anybody in the Western Conference in the top 10. They are 14-12. Suns 14-11, Pelicans 14-10. No other top 10 team in the West has more than eight home losses. And the Mavericks lead the way at 14-12 at home, 12-9 on the road, about to be 12-10 tonight. So here's the other thing. As great as Luka was on Friday night, it was against an Eastern Conference team that was eight games under 500, and they still... Needed to win the game in the last minute. It's like great. This is all fun and dandy and stats and this and that, and yet you're fighting for a win when your leader, your best player, has 73 points, and you're fighting for a win against a team eight games under 500. It's like I, I can't get excited about this. Not in today's day and age, where literally the same night I think Devin Booker had over 60. <laughs> It's just, there's been 70 points scored by Joe Joel Embiid scored 70 less than two weeks ago. So four people have broken 70 points in the last four months when six people did it in the 75 years previous. That's what I mean. It's like, okay, it's still impressive to do. I'm not taking that away from them. I'm just saying, what does it really mean in the long run? And you know what? What happened the next night? They came home. They played a Western Conference team a team that was ahead of them in the standings, the Phoenix Suns, a team that they walloped in Phoenix earlier this year. The very next night, I know it's the second night of a back-to-back, but as great as Luca was on Friday night, he made, you know, whatever it was, 26 of 33 shots and he was awesome. They come home the next night and they fall behind by 20 to the Phoenix Suns and Luca went nine for 26 from the field and one of nine from three. I get that he was tired from the night before. I didn't expect him to drop 70 in back-to-back games. I didn't, come, I didn't expect him to even come back with 50. 40 would have been really, really impressive. But when you put up 73 against a horseshit team from the other conference, and you come home the next night, and you have a very winnable game against a team you need to beat, who's ahead of you in the standings, and you drop a 9 for 26 and 1 of 9 from 3-point range... What do I care about what you did the night before? Honestly. You know, there's all sorts of complaining going on here in Dallas, and it's rightfully so. It's just, he's a leader, but there are definitely some deficiencies that have nothing to do with his game. Now, Luka's been here six years. They've won two playoff series. Okay, so... It's like, is he a great player? Yes. Is he a great leader? The answer right now is unequivocally no. He's not. You can say, well, God, he makes the players around him better. Look at, look at how many assists he gets. I don't know what that actually means when they say he makes the players around him better. I think Luka gets the players around him open shots. But is Tim Hardaway Jr. a better player? because he plays with Luca or does he just get a shit ton of open shots? Like, I think there's a difference. Some might debate that and say, no, I'm just saying, I think a leader of a team leads in every way and not just, I lead the team in scoring and assists and rebounds. And he does no other, he has no other leadership qualities. He constantly complains to the refs. He's been doing it ever since he was in the league and the amount of times he has said at press conferences he needs to stop and change that, it's just in one ear and out the other now because he does it every single game he doesn't get calls. So that's what I mean. Like, this is all fine and dandy, and people love the stats or whatever. I'm looking for is this team getting better? Are they actually going to make a run in the playoffs? Are they actually going to win more than two playoff series, which is all he's won since he's been here? The answer right now is no. I don't even think they're going to get in the playoffs. I think they're going to lose in the play-in game. I think they might end up as the 9 or 10 seed, and then they have to go 2-0 and 0 in the play-in games to get in, which I don't think they'll do. If they end up as the 7 or 8, maybe they get in. But then they are beginning getting in as the 7 or 8, and they're drawing a 1 or 2 in the first round, and I think they're out in the first round. This isn't a playoff team. I've watched so many of their games this year. So I just want to say that. I haven't given any NBA takes this year. You know, I'm a Mavericks even ticket holder. You know, I want them to be better. I want them to be good, and I just I don't see it. I've seen so many other teams' games this year. I just don't see it. I don't think they're any any good as they were last year. And last year, didn't they didn't make the playoffs. Luca is an outstanding talent. Horrible leader. He has horrible body language. He complains all the time. He wants every call. He he's a giant baby, is what he is. So, take it for what it's worth. From me, coming from somebody who's seen a ton of Mavericks games. Anyway, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. And also, you got to hit play on these podcasts. you got to listen. Don't just download it. Please get back and listen to it. If you can't get to it one day, hit play the next day. You know. But they've changed the system on us on how downloads are, are recorded now. So just because it downloads and you're, because you're following me and it automatically downloads once... Apple Podcasts release it to everybody who is subscribed and following the Sports Daily podcast. That doesn't count anymore. It's got to be played. So please do that if you can. Tell your friends about it as well. I think they'll get a enjoyment out of this podcast. Anyway, again, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.